1: Wild Willie Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and top loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just... The products you need to set yourself apart from the competition. Everybody wants that good smell. They got from the industry's number one selling scent, ex-girlfriend. <laughs> How cool is that? To the brand new fragrance, Fruit Loops. Love me some Fruit Loops. You are sure to find something that fits your personality. Over 60 unique scents. Surely you'll find something in there. Now, Wild Willie fuel fragrances can be used in race gas, methanol, ethanol, diesel, or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. their sensors are compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, to save 20% today. Do you know what's spookier than seeing a black cat on Halloween? It's shaving your junk with anything other than manscaped. Oh, that is scary. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here to upgrade your grooming experience. Now, go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar. Yeah, you get it? And join the two million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with promo code JED. Now, that's simply J-E-D, and you put that promo code in, they'll give you 20% off plus free shipping. Have you ever tried to trim your junk, and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film? (laughs) Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day and make sure you're smelling fresh with a new refined body wash. Fellas... The ladies love their signature scent, and it will scare away those vampires. So unlock your confidence with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside, you'll find a holy grail of men's grooming items. They've made it easy for you guys. Upgrade your grooming routine with Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code Jed, S-J-E-D, at manscaped.com again 20 percent off plus free shipping doesn't get any better than that manscape.com promo code jed guys say trick or treat to your beautiful new halloweeny with manscape hello everyone and welcome to the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed i'm big jed jared pennington he's cool hand luke bogacki if you're a regular listener thank you for your patronage if you're new You'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it.
0: Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. Big Jed, you are a little jet lagged, a little uh- contact high. It's good uh, to hear your voice. It's good to have you back in you know, the friendly confines of Alabama.
1: Luke, it's good to be home, um, as, as our listeners will hear later in the show. Uh, Spent a little time in Vegas over the last five days. Holy cow. Uh, I was out there for an equipment rental show, and the uh, cannabis convention was beginning the day that I left. But uh, I assure you that uh, the, the cannabis crowd showed up early. And uh, they were, there were some demonstrations, product demonstrations going on uh, pretty much everywhere I went. I mean, he, <laughs> I was in the CVS, okay. And, and I grabbed every bag of, you know, potato chips and Doritos they had uh, just just as a result of the secondhand uh, stuff I was receiving. So, yeah, man, I'm wore down, but I, this, this is going to be a good one, Luke. This is going to be a show right here. I'm excited we, about this. One.
0: Yeah, stay tuned. We cover a lot on this episode. We've got, first up, we got champions crowned, both in the thisisbracketracing.com driver series and the IHRA, world champions to talk about. Um, we were going to dedicate this show, Big Jed, to a, a million dollar race preview. The OG million is going on as we speak, as we record. Um, and we get to some of that, but yeah, um, Unless you've been living under a rock, you realize that to this point, at least, and we're recording on, on Thursday evening, um, the results of the OG Million have far been overshadowed by the controversy of the OG Million. <laughs> it's like you can set your calendar by it, like something absolutely bizarre yeah. is going to happen at the Million this year. Whew, this, this, this edition is no
1: exception. We get into it. And if, you, if you've seen all the, the discussion going on, the hot topic, if you will, about uh, something that happened at the million and you're, you're always wondering about these topics, I wonder if Luke and Jed's going to talk about this. You darn right we are. And uh, there's a lot of discussion about it. So hang on and, uh, and tune in because you are going to want to hear this show for sure.
0: In addition, we've got some some fun feel good stories from the week prior, the week leading up to the million. We've got some pivotal clutch performances on the NHRA tour. We revisit our topic on gifted rounds with the uh, with a a some specific um, scenarios to familial or team rounds when when that comes into play. How much? more gray and murky those waters get we close the show with that a lot on tap a lot to get to perhaps one of our most controversial shows to date jed just because yes. these are and these are hot button topics um yeah all that and more but first
1: E hey, jizzle for shizzle
0: Ooh, just when we thought we would have a slow week, Big Jed. We <laughs> oh <No> uh, <chance. laughs> we thought that we're recording this on Thursday night, the second of three. 50 granders at the million is in progress. As we record, we are a little over 24 hours away from crowning this year's OG million champion. We thought, well, it'd be fun on to come on here, preview the million pick our winners granted by the time that you listen to this uh, you you're going to have a lot better idea who is winning or has one than we will right now so I'm sure that our picks will be uh, failed and uh, yet <laughs> the million just never fails to to produce controversy Jed and we've got we've actually got this may be one of our more controversial shows because, like, we've got a couple of hot-button topics to jump into. Before we do, I just wanted to, to kick things off because, quite frankly, um, I can. The This Is BracketRacing.com driver series, we have crowned champions. It's over, Big Jed. Um, nice. Ashley will come on with us next week to run through the top 10 and how this all played out. She's actually waiting on results for a couple of tracks that could impact the top 10, but we know the champions. Our no box, uh, nationwide, continent-wide. This is Bracket Racing Driver Series champion, Mr. Brian McGinnis. Brian hails from Bremerton Raceway in Washington. If you'll remember, Big Jed, a year ago, both of our world champions, that was Kip Poole on the bottom, Lane Savard off the top, both hailed from Bremerton. There's something in the water up there. Wow. Brian McGinnis takes home $10,000. I got to dig that up at some point for winning <laughs> the This is bracketracing.com driver series. If you're new to the party, this is a, I want to say nationwide series, but we actually included a track in Canada. Uh, that features uh, this year featured, I believe, 24 facilities from across the country, across the continent, uh, and allowed drivers to earn points without leaving their home track. With a, a $10,000 bonus, we paid back 10 places. Um, thanks to immense turnout and thanks to Jegs, again our No Box World Champion, Brian McGinnis. On the box side, the last time Ashley was on, we talked about how Kurt Gross was running away from this. Trivia time, Big Jed. Are you familiar with Kurt Gross? Do you know his connection to the show? I do not. Kurt Gross is the father of Stephanie Gross, also known as her married name, Stephanie Buston. Nice. Love it. Kurt Gross started off on fire, looked to be running away. Kurt Gross, by the way, also claiming points at Bremerton Raceway. Something in the water up there? Young Cooper Chun literally i don't know, i guess literally is is a bit hyperbole cooper chung came out of nowhere cooper claiming points at sacramento they're at the the ta series came into the last weekend which was last weekend of points there completely off the radar and showed out like he ran himself at three cars on the first day and then uh either won or run it up the second day like and earned just enough points to tie Kurt Gross atop standings, so we have co-champions for the first time ever. Kurt Gross from Bremerton, Cooper Chun uh, running at Sacramento. They will split that pot. It was ten grand to win. It was five hundred dollars to second, so they'll get fifty-two fifty each uh, on the heels of just a super memorable weekend for young Cooper Chun in as clutch a performance as you can get given the stakes. So pretty impressive stuff. Like I say, Ashley, will be on next week to detail that in full
1: awesome stuff and what a great opportunity Luke that, that you guys come up with this series and great opportunity for these racers nationwide and, and globally now uh, really if you look at it opportunity to race for a championship and and win uh, some a significant cash prize so very cool congrats to Brian McGinnis um you know obviously uh had a great year and you know, you do that at your home track and still come away with such an awesome prize. That's really cool. And Kurt Gross, uh, you know, we we love talking about busting on the show, so that's cool tie-in there. Congrats to you. But Cooper Chun, Luke, I, I met Cooper as a small child at uh, the first Vegas Fling, and it's hard for me to even believe that Cooper is old enough to to compete for this. It got to be Cooper's got to be. 18 19 maybe i don't know he can't be, very, yeah. mm-hmm. can't be much older than that if any and, and to, to as you you stated come out of nowhere kind of and, and have a an amazing finish to his uh, points chase and and end up tying kurt for the the championship really cool story there and chun family talented group at the racetrack so uh, expect big things out of Cooper going forward, but really neat opportunity. And, uh, and just really all around well done on both sides, the the promotion side and the racer. So was, this was really cool to see.
0: I think the coolest thing about it, I'm actually on Bremerton's website now trying to find this information and I, I'm not smart enough to find it. My impression is that the no box class at Bremerton might pay five or $600 to win on a, on a weekly basis. We have a racer in Brian McGinnis that that ran there almost exclusively, like focused on that this year, and he won ten grand for doing it. Like that's pretty cool stuff, right? They could yeah, happen, You could right, happen anywhere. So yeah, honored to be a part of it. Like I say, we'll have Ashley on next week to discuss in a little bit more detail. So we've buried the lead long enough.
1: <laughs> oh boy!
0: Again, we, we thought this would be relatively quiet. Um,
1: we didn't have to hunt. For anything no, to no, discuss, we didn't.
0: Uh, Jeremy Hancock wins the first twenty grander, uh, defeats Pete Penning- Peeps Pennington in the final. Will Holloman, uh, as we record, has won the first fifty grander over Gage Birch. Um, none of that's the story, Big Jed.
1: <laughs> no, it is not. Definitely not the the lead. Um, obviously, I think most of our listeners probably by now have seen the the uh, chatter. On facebook or whatever social media uh that you follow but look uh, hunter patton is the talk of the town in uh adele georgia and really all across the
0: yeah hunter racing broke, landscape broke the internet as as mark said pre-show is as we record is in the process of continuing to break the internet
1: um and he's what, usually what? the talk of the town for for wind lights of uh, this was not a wind light so uh, i right. let you go ahead and
0: well, do you want to set this up? Like, I I feel like most people know at this point, but just for the framework, like walk us through the actual events that occurred that we know of.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw the same video everybody saw, and I have no uh, inside connection to this, really, to know uh, what exactly happened. But what looks like happened, and based on Hunter's latest post, uh, he raced uh, James Bunner. Uh, James probably. Um, I, I don't know, I mean, probably trying to get fired up for the race and, and was a little jacked and there was uh, maybe some staging lane game or, st- or starting line games, excuse me, by Hunter, um, the old wheel turn winky blinky and, uh, James, I don't know, might have took offense to that and they staged and raced. Uh, James wind light came on. I don't think it was uh, the run that either of them were trying to make, but James did get the wind light and maybe not. Maybe he let Hunter know about it in the shutdown area, uh, gave him what is affectionately known as Scotty's with a few rips of the throttle after the wind light was on Uh, again, just what it appears happened in the video Hunter uh, took Hunt, exception to that. Hunter took a lot of exception to that. Maybe just to make sure I catch back up to James and let him know what I think about it, might have uh, uh, hit the spray just a little bit or just maybe gassed on it. I'm not sure, but run back up beside James in the shutdown area, mind you. Now, what speed they were running, I don't know, but they were shutting down. One of them was anyway. Hunter ran up beside him and Luke all but scrubbed rear tires with him got over in his lane and I'm sure was uh, giving him a little how do you do uh, down there to let him know what he thought about the the ripping of the throttle in the shutdown area and uh, they proceeded on off the racetrack and put him away now my understanding is that, James and another individual, what I saw reported was he and his father showed up at Hunter's trailer to let him know what he thought about it or they thought about it. And Hunter, again, allegedly uh, claimed that the steering wheel came off, Um, you know, and a lot of people did not believe that initially uh, for obvious reasons. And maybe things kind of quietened down a little bit last night, but the internet exploded. A uh, lot of opinion about the run, what happened, what they thought happened, what they heard Hunter reported had happened, uh, but did not believe. And it, it got pretty ugly last night on uh, Facebook. I was really tired. I would come in from Vegas halfway late and uh, was really wanting to go to bed but i couldn't help but sit up and read some of the the stuff that went on and hunter um hunter posted well i think just simply put damn steering shaft no no smiley faces no emojis of any kind just damn steering shaft like that's what happened the steering shaft come out of it and he somehow was able to wrangle it up and just keep from from touching cars with the with his opponent, well, obviously nobody believed that either. I think everybody could see and knew what happened. Oh, and I mean, if you,
0: I mean, we've all seen the video at this point. Like, if you watch the run, there's, there's no doubt. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. was, this was not a uh, an accidental
1: movement. No, it was intentional, um, with with some ill intent. It looked like. Now, now you have had a, a fair amount of people say. You know, he's trying to wreck him and well, no, he wasn't trying to wreck him because if he was trying to wreck him, he would have, um, he wasn't trying to wreck him, but he was trying to, to let him know how he felt about what had happened. And he just did it the wrong way. Luke. it was simply put, it it was a, it was a silly move. It was a dangerous move, you know, had, had James not seen him coming or, you know, James could have been dodging a, a neck brace in the shutdown area and they would have gotten together i mean it's as simple as that had he moved six eight inches to his right for any reason whatsoever they're tangled up yeah i've I've heard conflicting reports that slicks actually scrubbed i don't know if
0: that's accurate like watching the the video they were close like i i can't see where they touched but like it was way closer than it should have been um So you mentioned, Jed, like the Internet's on fire, right? And like every other controversy or debate, seemingly, um, there is no middle ground. Like there's one side or the other. Like, I don't think it's necessarily our job to sit here and judge Hunter or any of this. But like, what's your I guess that to some extent, that's why people are living like listening. Like, what's what's your takeaway here? Like, what do you think happened and why and, and where do you stand?
1: Well, it's simple. I mean, it's uh, it, it's not really what I think. It's what happened. Um, uh, Hunter got pissed off and lost his freaking mind for about four to five seconds and did something absolutely, incredibly silly and dumb and unsafe. And there's no other way you can put it. Uh, that that's exactly what happened and. Um, Hunter has been incredible on the racetrack and I like Hunter a lot. I really do, but that move is not indicative of what he means to our sport. Hunter doesn't, sometimes doesn't understand that people are watching him, whether he wants to be a role model or not, you know, we'll do the whole Charles Barkley thing, but, uh, Hunter's a role model. Uh, these young kids look up to him, and I won't get into it, but there was a little spiff about he and KC Pesnail or between the two uh, earlier in the week. And again, the games that KC played were not invented by KC, uh, so we, we forget those things at times. But nonetheless, Hunter is the leader in our sport. He's a guy that thousands, literally thousands of racers want to be because of the results he's produced and and the things he's gotten to do and accomplish. And then to go do something like that, which is, is disrespectful, not only to his opponent, but to our sport and anyone watching. uh, That's it's unbelievable to me that Hunter let that happen. Uh, I've been pissed off on the racetrack many, many times, but never thought about doing anything like that. And hunter has apologized today via social media he has owned what he did and i respect him for that i respect him greatly for that i think that takes up that takes a real man to stand up and say you know what that was a very stupid thing that i did and i'm very sorry for it but look there's got to be repercussions you just can't let that happen and not have some punishment of some kind. Okay, let's let's circle back to that because I think you summed
0: up my feelings well, uh, and and I I think we're largely on the same page here. Like, it's I I I also am a, you know, I'm a Hunter Patton fan, right? And so my instinct is typically to defend him, like I and I like he's set up on a on a on a pedestal, and it's easy to poke holes in him, right? But in this particular case, like there's no defense. Like you, you, you can't do that, right? Like I, I think uh, the way that I would frame this is, <clears throat> we tend to think of our responsibility as a driver in terms of competition, right? Like we, we have a responsibility to to b double o and take double o, or you know, to, to drive the car to our capability. Yes, but what we often just kind of take for granted is. We have a responsibility to safely operate a machine that can very easily be a weapon of mass destruction, right? Like that can cause physical pain, death. Um, not to mention, you know, the the financial aspect involved. Like you have you have a responsibility to operate that car in a safe manner for yourself, for your competitors, for everyone at the racetrack, for the entire sport, right? Sure. Um, and as much as I like Hunter, like this was reckless, this was stupid, it has no place in our sport. Like, let me be very, very clear about that. In saying that, I just, I try to, to think, okay, like how, does, how do you get to that point? Like what's going through his head? And honestly, I, I, I'm just viewing it through my own lens and like, I don't think it's that hard to comprehend, right? why is that? Like, I, I, I'll I, be really honest. I could see myself probably not today. I can't imagine getting that upset today, but I could see myself doing something like this 15 years ago, right? Like, and at, at at about Hunter's age. And the reason being, like, I come from a time, and I know you come from a time too, Jed. I don't know your feelings on this. Like, I, I have and this might be really old school and outdated today, but I come from a time where the most disrespectful thing that can happen at the racetrack is somebody pumping the throttle with their wind light on. Like it flies all over me. Now, I thought it was the most unsportsmanlike thing that you could do until I saw what Hunter did. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that obviously trumps it, but yeah. at the same time, like I, I think I've, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I know I've said it numerous times, like when, When I go through the finish line and my wind light's not on and my opponent is pumping the throttle at me, I'll be dead honest, Jed. Like my first instinct is to cut the wheel and wreck both of us. Like it freaking flies all over me. So I get that emotion. You know what I mean? Like, thankfully I've never acted on that. Don't think I ever would, but I I get that absolutely seeing red for an instant, right? Now, when I view that through my lens and think, okay, like could I see myself doing something like this? And, and there was a time, like I, I think I could, right? And so then, like the question becomes, what was the intent, right? And there, I, I see on the internet all the time, like he, he tried to wreck him. Like I'll, like if he was trying to wreck him, they'd wreck, right? Like, and, and I'm not saying that to, to to condone what Hunter did at all, but just to clarify, like in my mind, I believe, and and I want to believe that hunter's intent was to scare james bonner right to get up close to him and and they're like hey that's not acceptable right i think and this is again i'm just trying to put this into my own lens and i'm completely projecting here i haven't spoken to hunter i'm not there i haven't really spoken to anybody right i'm just watching this unfold and trying to to make sense of it in my mind but i could see myself doing something similar and then this is my hypothesis as to what happened like i think hunter actually scared himself like in the instant like i don't think he meant to get as close to him as he did as particularly if they did touch i'm sure that that got his attention like oh my god what am i doing right oh sure and and i think that triggered the initial response right the hey my steering wheel came off like i don't i don't if that wasn't trying to be funny Like that was, oh God, how do I cover this up? Because like, I really messed up, right? And that's the first instinct, right? And then I think, because I think that that initially scared him. And then I think as soon as you're out of the heat of the moment, I would have to imagine that what scared him the most, and again, this is just speaking how I would be trying to process this if it were me. What would scare me the most is realizing outside the heat of the moment that I was capable of doing that. Like, oh my God, like what, you know what I mean? Because you don't think through that in the the two, Absolutely three, four not. seconds that it happens. You know what I mean? But after the fact, like, my God, right? And in just in fa- in the just from a mindset standpoint of, I can't believe that I was capable of that. And then you know to to kind of zoom out a little bit, whether that's through the help of other people coming and talking to him or social media or just thinking things through. Like, I have to believe that at some point it dawns on Hunter Patton, like what he's got to lose here. You know what I mean? Cause it's let's let's face it. Like this is his living. Like he's got more to lose than most racers by, by doing something completely stupid, right? And so I think the instinct initially may have been to cover this up, but ultimately like he realized that he had to own it. Now this is a mistake, obviously a big one. And he is very lucky, Hunter, that this wasn't much worse. Cause like, I don't care how precise you think you are, I mean, you're inches away from absolute disaster, right? And something that you never recover from, regardless of the damages, like just, just reputationally never recover from it. It's going to be hard enough to recover from it as it is, right? Imagine if it was worse. So he's lucky. Obviously, James Bunner is lucky that it wasn't worse. I think we're all lucky that it wasn't worse. And it's definitely made a bigger story because it's Hunter Patton. Like, Hunter burst onto the scene you know, just a few years ago and- had tremendous success and he has haters like let's face it right some of that is due to his immense success and let's be completely frank like some of it's due to his outspokenness like he's not one to shy away from attention good or bad right like he's here for it has been to this point this may change that um so he's got haters but to your point earlier Jed like he's also got followers he's got people young and old that look up to him for his success on the track. And to be completely honest, with few exceptions, obviously this one notable, I think he's got people that look up to him for the way that he generally carries himself. And it's these people that he's let down. And I think ultimately that's what hits home far more than the people that are calling him out. Like That's a trust that he's going to have to rebuild. Now this contrition, this apology, this owning up to his mistake, that's a great first step there's going to be a long road to hope. Um I think my takeaway from this is that um, this is a huge mistake, like, and I can't, I can't condone it, but people screw up. And I think, I'd like to think, I certainly hope that this was a wake-up call for Hunter. Like, I do believe that he'll be better for it. Reasonable minds can disagree there. Um, but I, I think ultimately, like, I, I hope that this serves as a wake up call. You know, I don't know. I don't, if this doesn't, I don't know what else would.
1: Yeah. Luke, I, I couldn't have said that any better, especially the way you finished it. And, and, you know, by all, for all intents and purposes, it looks like it has Hunter alluded to, wait and he said in his post, you know, that will never happen again. That basically he just lost his cool and, he will not ever allow that to happen again, and and I don't think he will. I think uh, Hunter Hunter's a tremendous talent on the racetrack. He's a good dude. He really is. I know he's getting judged as he should. He earned that. He earned that judgment that that everybody's casting upon him right now um, with with those actions. But. If you, if you just knew him, you'd know Hunter's a good dude. He really is. And he lives to, to go out and be competitive in race. I don't understand the whole wheel turn thing and blinking the lights and, and, you know, tricking your opponent into not staging or whatever all those guys are doing, I don't get that. They're so good. They don't need those tricks. I think sometimes, um, outside sources cause some of that you know hey won't you go up there this time and or look who you got in other lane let's let's do him let's show him a little something here with this wheel turn or uh, sometimes i think they get talked into those things but nonetheless uh, i truly believe hunter has learned his lesson uh, from from what he did but if you're part of the promotion team if you're a part of I was hoping
0: we would circle back to this. Yeah, like what's
1: part of the racing leadership that's putting this on? Whatever. I I don't, I don't know who gets to make the decision, but there has to be punishment for our actions. You can't just say, "I'm sorry," that I I did something that I've never seen done before, out of anger, because of the actions that you did. I've had them. I've gotten some Scotties. I mean, obviously. We, they're called scotties because back in the day scotty turned on a wind light against certain individuals and he'd let them know about it you know he he'd give him a few pumps down there and that's that has been named giving him some scotties well, what we can only hope is we don't get to a point where somebody's giving them some hunters where where this is setting any kind of trend for anybody watching and one way you accomplish that keep that from happening is to lay down some form of punishment for that action to make sure that the next guy knows by god if you're gonna do it you better do it sunday evening don't do it <laughs> don't do it on wednesday because you're done for the week you can't so raise. let's let's play the
0: hypothetical like this let's say this isn't the million dollar race this is the world footbreak challenge like what's your response as a promoter
1: Yeah. Luke, I don't think you ever really know until you're faced with that decision, but I would hope that I would go to that. I could go to that person and eliminate them from the event. And, you know, again, let's say it happens on Sunday and he was beaten third round and he did it Well, the, how do you, how do you put that punishment in place for your event? So, you know, I guess you have to really ban that person from your events for a year, a minimum of a year. You know, if it happens on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're done for this one and the next one when it happens and we'll see you again in two years. But again, I, I can't swear that's how I'd handle it because I'm not faced with it, but I sure hope that's how I would handle it. Just as an aside, I'll I'll give
0: my thoughts and response here. But I feel like to some extent, like Randy Folk and and this crew is um, at times like an easy target. Can you just like in a vacuum believe (laughs) the situations that Randy has been dealt with? In three of the last four years, I mean, they are yeah. literally some of the most bizarre situations you could ever imagine. Now, I don't—I I haven't always re- agreed with his response to them, but they're stuff, like you know, as a race promoter, you try to think through every possible scenario. There is no no chance <laughs> that he thought that Corey Galetti would wad up a car in a winning round with six cars left in the million there is zero chance that it crosses your mind that you're going to have a lazy infrared issue in the quarterfinals of the million. Like of all just the timing. And now this, like, I've never seen this in my life. And here's Randy, like, I feel like they're trying really hard to, to improve their image, right? Like, and because it, there's just so many bizarre things have happened at this event. And I, by and large, like just from afar, I like everything that they're doing, right? I think that the, everything's headed in the right direction. And the knock, if there has been one against the OG million, probably since the George Howard days, but it really kind of came to light with the Glady incident is that, you know, it quote unquote, feels like the wild, wild west, right? That's what we said here. Well, this just furthers that, you know what I mean? And it's no fault of Randy's ultimately. To your point, like the, I think just given that history, the biggest argument for coming down hard on Hunter Patton would be to set a precedent at this event that like, hey, this things are changing. You know what I mean? Like this is not, we're not going to stand. It's, It's. yes, we, we are, are lax on a lot of things due to the geography of this event. We could have that discussion separately, but you know, like there, there are standards to uphold here. Like from that, in, from that standpoint, like you could see the argument. And, and honestly, like reasonable minds will disagree here, Jed. Like I would have zero problems to be completely honest, if that was the punishment handed down, Hunter, you got to go home. Like we can't have that here. No issue. I also will say I don't have an issue with what's been done. And here's my understanding of what's been done, or maybe even my assumption of what's been done. I believe that Randy went to Hunter and they've had a conversation. And I, in my mind that, that insinuates like, for lack of a better term like a warning was issued and you think ah geez it's just a warning right like I will say this a warning from Randy Folk is not your typical warning like even at his age I think Randy's in his early 70s like that's a pretty loud you ma- like Randy comes down to talk to me and he's not happy like this is not going to go well you know what I mean like I just I feel like he's got a presence that's that's going to hammer this home and For all the reasons that I just talked about, I'm obviously not privy to that conversation. I'm not 100% sure that that conversation happened. I can only assume that it did. Um, If from Randy's standpoint, there is a sense of contrition, that there is a sense perhaps of the scenario that I just laid out where it's really obvious, like Hunter realizes that he screwed up and screwed up bad, right? I don't think there's anything that Randy could do to make that hit home more. Like in fact, I think to some extent it's harder on Hunter emotionally to face the music for the next 4 days. Like I think it's kind of easy to pack up and go home. You know what I mean? Like if you're just strictly like looking at this as like a, a parent or maybe in Randy's case even a grandparent and wanting to learn something from this, I almost think it's harder to to stay. But again, like reasonable minds can disagree. Um, and then you, you, there's the background of this too. Like just knowing Randy Folk and his history, and, and I'm not advocating one way or the other here, but like it's pretty well known. and I would think even to this day, but certainly in his heyday, like I don't want to say Randy was a, a hothead, but like he has a reputation for seeing red. Like if anyone could understand what was going through Hunter's mind at that instance, I think it's Randy. And specific to this, you know, situation, um granted I didn't see Randy try to wreck or or threaten to wreck his opponent, but in faced with a similar situation like 15 years ago, I did watch Randy Fult follow an opponent back to his trailer, block him in, stand over the car and demand that he get out so he could beat the hell out of him after you know his opponent ripped the title past the finish line so like randy gets that part of it and again that, that's not to justify hunter's actions i'm just saying that you've got a pretty unique perspective on things and nothing happened there like someone broke that up before randy killed um the, the racer in question <laughs> but i think that's the way that that was meaning uh, i'm just like i say given that given history like i, I think that randy would maybe not be the the first person to inflict that punishment. And again, like I'm not convinced that he's, he's wrong not to like reasonable minds can disagree, but I'm fine with stay.
1: Yeah. Maybe Hunter's the beneficiary of, of the promoter of the race, having been through a similar situation in the past and having a better understanding for it, but, um, Luke, I. I have no problem. My my stance is confusing because I have no problem with Hunter getting to continue to race. If that's how they want to handle it. If I were in the pits, I wouldn't be in the tower, raising cane saying he's got to go. I guess my point was to make sure that others don't think this is okay.
0: Yeah, no, I get, I, I'm not
1: sure allowing him to race sets the right tone because once you set the precedent, it's, you know, for this event, it really is all that matters to the folks. You know, if someone else decides they're going to do it, well, you can't do a damn thing about it because you didn't do anything about it the first opportunity you had. So you couldn't take a lesser known racer that decided to do it and throw him out because you didn't do it to Hunter. So I guess my point was to just to make sure we don't have others thinking well, hell, all you got to do is apologize and everything will be just fine. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. So I, that was my point. I, I don't necessarily want Hunter punished. Um, I think he's probably punishing himself plenty right now. And, you know, the as you said, I, it's probably much more difficult to continue on lining up beside somebody uh you know you know what is somebody going to try to get in his head hey don't run over me down there now <laughs> my wind light <laughs> comes on keep it in your lane bro you know what are you going to say to him to try to get in his head now and and is it going to bother him so i agree that then him continuing on there at the event is probably somewhat of a, a high level of punishment that he's having to deal with but i'm just not sure how you handle this to make sure that others don't think it's okay to do it and just apologize.
0: No, that's, that's fair. I, um, I mean, I just think the, the bleep storm that it's created should be enough incentive. Like, I don't think anybody sees this and be like, sign me up. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah well,
1: I've never seen it happen uh, in all my years since 1984 on the racetrack. No, uh, I just, either. just like so I'm right. so I doubt it'll happen again. I doubt anybody else will. We'll have a, a moment of rage like that.
0: I certainly hope not. All right, so let's let's transition now into what we were going the 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 boring topic in in comparison that we were going to focus on regarding uh, the Million Dollar Race. Like I, I kind of mentioned it a little bit in that in in that discussion about Hunter. Uh, this we talked about this a year ago, and it seems like a year has just flown by because if you will remember. And who could forget like the, the debacle that this event turned into at Montgomery last year, Kevin Brandon ended up winning and, and, and uh, not to take anything away from his victory, but it was absolutely overshadowed by just this bizarre rerun scenario that went on what three times, four times. It was
1: Um, probably the the least celebrated. Yes. uh, Just million win out of the 26.
0: No, I I think that's fair. So uh, that being said, like this becomes a really pivotal year for the Folk family for this event, right? For the OG Million. Um, It moves venues to South Georgia Motorsports Park and it's gotta overcome that, you know, let's face it, like debacle, disaster, whatever you wanna call it. And I think, I'll just use this. This is obviously a, a much watered down, scaled down like personal experience. We put on the, the, our Jake summer door car shootout this summer. It's the 10th time that we'd done it after a, a year off. And it was at the same facility, but with a new owner, uh, an owner that I've known for years that I, I trust um, and, and with largely the same staff. But it was so different in that it was so much more work on my end, just because like I had done it for nine years with the same people like we didn't have to go over the, the details really. Like they did their thing, I did my thing. Like it was, mm-hmm. we had worked out a happy marriage. When that changes, now all of a sudden, like I've got to think about things that I hadn't thought about in seven years, right? And, and, and take on more responsibility, make sure that everything goes correctly or like the way that I'm used to. Like there's just a lot more moving parts that you don't necessarily have to think about that you get comfortable with when you've got that familiarity. And when you move facilities and the race is arguably like the most prestigious, most illustrious, most eyeballs race on, like, I can imagine that this has been a very stressful transition for the folks, perhaps in a good way, right? Perhaps it makes you really dot the I's and cross the T's. Um, But as I kind of mentioned earlier, like what I've seen, and I'm not there, been like really impressed with the organization like the the press releases coming out of it the social coverage like it it feels like they've really stepped up their game so uh, ultimately like everyone's moved on right i feel like capital city raceway park now that's the name right in montgomery is that is is,
1: capital city motorsports park yeah there we go
0: all right i feel like they're in a really good place it by all indications the, the og million is in a good place like ultimately i think this is probably a positive for both camps um but i will say this like i we were going to we would typically do our predictions like who wins the, the the big show how many entries are in the big show how many entries are in the surrounding races or the biggest day of the surrounding races um we're into the event now as we record there's 417 entries on wednesday and had you told me like that's the number um three days ago, I would have took the under, like, i I would have assumed that the events of last year would have impacted this event negatively. And I would, I also kind of assumed that the location, although South Georgia is not particularly far from Montgomery, it's maybe a four hour drive from track to track five, I just feel like it's further south and further east, like I, I thought geographically, it would limit their turnout slightly. And I'm, happy to say that i'm wrong like i i feel like in the past just because of everything so the, all the bizarre stuff that's gone on at million like i feel like the we've been critical of this event i've been critical of this event uh and, and some of the decisions that they made but like i'm not i'll be the first to say racing our sport is better when the og million is strong so i'm really glad that i'm off base here like 417 is not quite the crowd that this thing had in its heyday like they had 600 plus at montgomery for a couple of years um but this is a much more manageable number and i think for it makes for a much better race and again like i'm sh- almost certain that it's profitable and i think
1: that's a really good thing did, did you think it would be this big Luke? i really didn't have a feel for it um but you know we we, we tend to compare this thing with the biggest and baddest that we remember it being you know those 600 car counts were when it was 30s 25s or 30s right yeah right the entry was much more the move to 50s Mm -hmm. yeah the move to 50s uh, I think this car count is it's not quite where it was but it's probably within a hundred of where it landed when the move was made to 50s and I'm not sure that the I actually
0: think this might be bigger than the last couple of years at Montgomery. I, yeah. I don't know that, but I think it's certainly
1: about on par. I think it's a little bit of a drop off, okay. but I, I don't I don't really think the drop off is a is a reflection of the race itself or the location. When you look at where events have it's landed, just the saturation of twenty twenty one. Right. Yeah. Where you look at where large events have landed this year in comparison to last year. I think this one, if anything, is has set the bar for for close to last year's participation. So, I think uh, I think the OG is still strong. It's a wonderful event. Um, it is a special event. It, you know, you want to win the OG. I know there's guaranteed million, and that's a that's a huge huge deal coming up uh, very shortly. And there's large paydays out there, but. You just want to win the LG. You want to be one of those names on that list, on that flyer, because it's the very first one and it's got a special place in racing. And I have worked it for many, many years. This year is my first year away from it. And I'm missing the crap out of it. So controversy, no controversy, location change, whatever. You can throw every everything that might have had a negative impact on the event. You can throw everything at me that you can find. And I still wish I was there right now. So yeah, I
0: miss it for myself. Um, All right, so let's let's do our normal there Four seventeen Wednesday. I assume there is more running today as we talk. I, I don't I don't imagine it would crest 500, but I'm sure it's up from Wednesday to Thursday. Give me a prediction for the Big Show. What will the car count be in Friday's million dollar race?
1: You know, in years past Luke this thing has typically landed about half of what the biggest day is I do not know what today has or or had in store or what the final number was but. uh, I feel like the percentage is going to be higher, I feel like people that have attended are there to run the million and I think. Let's say today was 450. I don't know what the number was. That would normally be about 225, but I'd say this number is going to be about 275 in the million itself.
0: I'll actually be a little bit more bullish, mainly for the same reasons that you mentioned, Jed. A, um, in the day that there were 600 entrants in the surrounding races and right, roughly 300 in the million to your point earlier, the surrounding races were a uh, much lower entry fee brought in a, a little bit different clientele. When you raise those to fifties, I think um, you eliminate some of the racers that um, are, are more cost conscious, right? And what you get is the guys that by and large are there for the weekend. And I just think that the, the atmosphere of these types, Types of events and maybe how commonplace they've gotten, I just feel like it's changed pretty significantly in the last five years to where I feel like the majority, maybe the vast majority of racers on the premises are there for the big show. Now, it's going to get diluted to some extent because I'm sure that some of the 450-ish entries today are doubles that may not necessarily double in the million, right? Um, so, and, and, there, and there are certainly racers there that have no intention of running the million. Um, but I don't think it'll be down as much as we're used to. You said 270. I'll take like 313 in million.
1: Mm, that would be a, a wonderful thing for the folk family and the event altogether. Uh, I, think, uh, I think they'd much rather have your number than, than mine, uh, so we'll see where that lands. That'll, that'll be interesting to see the final number.
0: All right, keeping in mind that the majority of our listeners will be listening to this either during Friday's Million, uh, when they've got a little bit better idea of who's going rounds or even more likely post million when they know who has held the trophy and uh, and, and gotten the confetti shower. Uh, but with that said, let's go bold prediction. I, I can attest to the fact that we were recording Thursday night before there's been a single um, time trial first round run for the million. Give me a pick.
1: Luke, I know you're not going to believe this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, you I w- go,
0: are you going Jeff Sarah or Nick Hastings?
1: No, n- n- neither one. <laughs> as I should pick one of those or both. I'm sure. So, uh, I was I was thinking uh, coming into this, like I I typically think this way, peeps. I thought you know The Penningtons are off to a hot hot start. Yeah, yeah. I thought Peep show. Um, I thought Jeremy Hancock. I know you're not going to believe that, but Jeremy. Uh, hasn't done a bunch of big money racing this year to race the final season at Atlanta. And he accomplished the goal of, of winning the championship there. He won the race of champions. Jeremy's driving really good. His hot rods fast. Uh, I thought that he could be a threat. Both of those guys have already made a final together with Jeremy getting a win. So I'm going to go kind of to my third pick, but definitely one that I think can get it done and, and, We might just break through here Friday, and that is Bryson Scruggs.
0: Bryson is a Black and Decker tree wrecker, and what I can remember of South Georgia—and it's been a while since I've been down there—but it's one of those places that is relatively easy to make good runs. Like I remember always feeling like it turned into a practice tree race. If that's the case, I don't think there's anybody I'd rather. I, I would. I don't think there's anyone I would trust more letting go. Yeah. And Bryson Scruggs. Like, that's a good pick. I, uh, I don't know. I was, I was thinking through this a little bit, um, today and, and I'm not going, um, I'm I'm not picking a, a dark horse, obviously, but in this age and who, like, how do you bet against Jeff Sarah? Like, (laughs) You'd think like he's had too good He can't win the the most prestigious (laughs) Event of the year like he's won every big one so far Seemingly right Um, it would Certainly not be a shock if he was to pull this off Again although my god what a story Um, I'm going to go with one of The marquee racers That although I think Has had like a, a very successful Season just feels to be Flying a little bit under the radar To me I think we have a Johnny Brackett Racer sighting this weekend I think he's like, okay, you guys can stop talking about just Sarah, you can stop talking, I'm still here. Um, I just feel like it's time for a, for a JBR breakthrough and um, it wouldn't shock me a bit if, uh, if he's holding the trophy at the end of the day and becomes what uh, just the second, third, no fourth, if you get Underwood, triplet and uh, Gary Williams, right, that have won multiple millions yes johnny would become the fourth to do that if that were to come to fruition um oh i was thinking about this I, I didn't put it in the show notes big Jed. so kb's there i assume uh trying to defend his title kevin brandon last year's million dollar race winner no one's ever gone back to back at the million trivia time who came the closest
1: oh that's uh that's very easy that was an alabama racer so you knew i would get this one it's jeff yeah. rooks
0: Mountain magic, maybe.
1: Yes. And uh you know, another another Alabama racer didn't go back to back, but he was pretty darn close and Joel Reynolds.
0: That's right. Even uh even prior to that, Joel was how did that like he was he run it up and won it, but maybe six years removed?
1: Uh I don't think it was that far. Okay. But it could have been. I think it was more like three, but either way, um Jeff Rooks is the answer and uh you know, mountain magic, baby.
0: It's interesting that like, that's two racers that you're obviously familiar with, given where you come from. Like they're two racers that came out of relative obscurity in some respects. Like they're not, they were not the household names. They weren't the Troy Williams Jr. Kenny Underwoods of the day. Right. And I think that the success of racers like that is really what catapulted the million into becoming what it became, right? I mean George Tomasi Sr. winning, like n- not to say that any of those races were any less capable, but it wasn't like the same old, same old the the names that you expected to win that. And I think it made us all realize that hey, like this is the stakes are increased, but this really isn't different than what we do on a Saturday night. Like if to kind of to our point a week or two ago, like if you win here, you can win anywhere, like Racing is racing, and those racers that we put on a pedestal, uh, they, they, it's not like they cannot be beat. You know what I mean? It's the same sure. game that we're used to racing week to week, and when people like that win, and in particular they have repeated success, I think that I always thought that was an a, an interesting like view into racers that that aren't necessarily big names that don't necessarily um, win on like a regular basis, but always seem to bring it on the biggest stage. Cause Rooks has always been like that, right? Like in addition to the back-to-back finals, that dude's been to the split at the million as much as anyone. Like I, I would say he's been at the split like five, six times.
1: Yeah. It, it, I mean, really as, as much as, as my great friend Jeff Rooks has accomplished there, what you just described Luke is the, the Dave triplet effect.
0: There you go. Uh, triplet. Yeah.
1: I mean, Dave, look what he's done in a million. Hardly races. You know, he, he's busy with other things, business and uh, son playing baseball and, you know, uh, having a, a good life with his wife. And he he just really doesn't get out and race his car much for for just normal purses. Um, but something about the million. I mean, just the guy is incredible. Even Bertie to some extent. Like Verdi. Yeah, yeah
0: very good point all right so let's backtrack a little bit and then obviously given the events like we've gone long and that, and rightfully so i did want to just give a little bit of shine to some of the events of last weekend and typically like in our world the week leading up to the million, the weekend preceding the million there's not a lot to talk about like the, the everyone's saving up Gearing up for the week in what is now South Georgia. Um, there were a couple of events on the schedule uh, that we might have touched upon, but particularly given the results, uh, like the stories that came out of last weekend were incredible. And so I think we have to go there. Like, first, let's go to, to South Carolina, which uh, was a really incredible race put on by Tony Gambardella. It was 25, 50, 25 to win, but the Payback was insane. Like it was almost half the winner's purse. Like I think the the 50 grander was 20 or 25 to runner up, like 10 grand to semi. Like payback really good. Um, But that's not the story here. The story was um, (laughs) this thing got swept by one pit area, and they're friends of the podcast. All three drivers have been on the show too recently with you, but it was Trip McCarty. His sister Caroline McCarty and her boyfriend Corey Galletti swept it like won everything, and their combined age is like 70.
1: <laughs> is it that much? I don't think it's 70. I <laughs> know. Yeah. I don't I mean 16 and and probably 19. It might not be 60. <laughs> I'm,
0: Where am I I'm going? not yeah. sure it
1: gets to 60. <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously. Incredible talent. Uh, we we've talked to all three, as you said, two of them at once, the McCarty uh, kids. And I mean, Luke, to, to go on a stage like that and have those kind of results is once in a lifetime type stuff. I mean, and they'll, they'll do it again. They'll probably do it again, half a dozen times before they're done. But, uh, to, to those of us like me, I mean, I, that's stuff you dream about. I mean, they won two 25 granders, and I think ultimately what turned into a 40 grander, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. And and I think Gulitti beat uh, beat Sugar in the final, and I'm pretty sure Sugar, I, I know uh, Dylan spent quite a bit of time in the McCarty pits. They might have been parked together, too, so it might have even been that much better for the the pit that they, they the pit area they were covering. But
0: and on top of I, that, Corey had two entries at three.
1: Lost Holy to Shane God,
0: and came back to him in the final. Yeah.
1: Did not know that. So, uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, Caroline and, and Corey are a couple, um, and they have the opportunity to to post their checks together and then trip uh, with with his accomplishment the, at the first day of this thing. I mean, it's unbelievable. And uh, very talented, very talented young group, great equipment. And, you know, different from what a lot of the winners look like sometimes, these kids just look like they're having a blast. I mean, oh, they just totally look like good. they're really just enjoying going out there and making laps. I've said this
0: before, Jed, like they are the first family of bracket racing today. I think in large part, just due to how transparent and quite frankly, fun they are to follow on social media. I mean, just the the, the back and forth of, I think they they were at Virginia and they were going to go home, and and Car- I think Corey and and, and Caroline convince Mama Carol, hey, we need to just keep racing, right? So we're, they end up going to Bowling Green for 310s, have a little bit of success. I think Corey was in the semis, but basically the trip hadn't gone well at all. They go there without bug, right? And so cross country or across you know the eastern half of the country anyway, and then double it back to to Jackson. So as they're winning, you know, Mama Carol, she's she's taking all the credit, right, with, with tongue in cheek, on uh, on Facebook, and then Bug comes in, you know with the, with the throwdown afterwards. And I just love their back and forth. Right. it's something the effect of, you know, Carol, you, you drug these kids unlimited miles across the country the last couple of weeks with zero results. I show up, look, we win everything, you know I mean? And just their back and forth. It's so fun. Like I love it.
1: It is a good time. And they, you know, the kids, when we interviewed them, when I interviewed them, they, they really talked about how competitive it is within their within their own household or in their own pit area. You know, they, they pick at each other and give each other a hard time. And look I, I mean, I guess that is the formula. Uh, maybe, maybe they're telling them it's, hey, it's going to be all right. I know you were 50 or I know you let go on nothing. And it happens. Don't let it get you down. No, no, there's a whole new approach. Yeah, to, this is the call out culture. <laughs> <laughs> to getting great results. <laughs> Bug, Bugs leading that charge. Like, I mean, he'll just tell you you suck and, well, just... and you got to be better kudos to them like from a
0: parental aspect like it's one thing to say like hey uh, maybe you know if we race together it'll really bring our family together but which i think obviously is is some of the emphasis behind this between for, for bug and carol but i just think it's awesome how malleable they are to like the current culture because they think they realize that one of the best ways to connect with their kids is through social media and the way that they do it. It's like it makes you smile and it makes you laugh at the same time. It's just, it's awesome. I I, I feel like they're setting a template that so many of us could follow.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, again, as I told them in the interview, it looks like they're having a blast. And, you know, obviously when you're turning on the last win light and getting significant paydays to go along with it, that is more gooder uh, than, than just normal wins. But way either bigger. way either way i think these kids and corey included are just having fun and enjoying themselves. and uh, it, it is it's absolutely fun to watch and you can't help but root for them
0: no question the other big event from uh, from last weekend was down in your neck of the woods it was the mike smith memorial at Capital city motorsports park featured 320 granders uh, another kind of warm up for the million i wanted to touch on this just because uh, what I read on Facebook and just what I can gather from knowing the individuals involved, uh, TJ Coleman's win on the opening 20 grander at the Mike Smith Memorial, uh, close family, friends to Mike in a Vega wagon. Is that the Vega wagon or is it different?
1: That is not the Vega wagon. That is is Brandon Taylor's Vega wagon that he purchased from the, the Birmingham area. Okay. So I just, my earliest
0: memory of watching Mike Smith race and that's, that's Timmy Smith's father. Uh, We talked about Mike at length on an episode a year ago ish that he passed away.
1: Yeah. I think it was uh, just about that. Yep.
0: And my earliest memories, Mike are at Huntsville dragway in a Vegas station wagon without a shirt, bowling ball helmet, Cigar hanging from his mouth, turning loose, doing a wheelie. Like I remember, I can vividly remember watching him in the the stands and to have TJ Coleman, who I I think it's fair to say came up um, idolizing Mike Smith as as just about everyone in that area did for all the right reasons. Um, And to win that event in Mike's memory, in a Vega wagon, like, I just can't imagine how cool that scene was. And then I see the winner's circle pictures where everybody's got the shirt off. TJ's got the cigar hanging from his mouth. And I just, I thought what a more, you couldn't have a more fitting winner and a more fitting way to, to kind of commemorate Mike Smith's life. Like I just thought it it hit me in all the right ways, Jen. I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I agree. Luke, you know, it's, it's a deal where TJ uh, was very close to Mike. He's still close to Timmy um you know that that family has spent a lot of time around one another uh tj jumping in a car he's never been in before it being a red vega wagon <laughs> and going on and winning the race and he don't even drive door cars he's a dragster guy and he goes and wins the race i don't know it's just so fitting and so ironic it was really cool to see the, the tribute style winner circle with the shirt off and the cigar just uh, it was all it was all just good for the heart real good for the heart and i know mike was looking down smiling on the whole deal it was uh it was really incredible to see and super happy for for tj and brandon brandon's very close to the to the smith family very close they 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 live down the street from one another so i'm sure that was very sentimental for for brandon as well and and Uh, it did a lot of people, a lot of good for sure.
0: Another big event from the past weekend, perhaps the biggest event of the past weekend, um, the IHRA world championship runoff in Memphis world champs were crowned. We won't spend a ton of time on this, but I thought it was absolutely worthy of mention here. Um, just as a, as a brief refresher. The way that dietary uh, championship runoffs work is that each track sends a representative to Memphis. So it's basically, whatever, 60-ish track champions from across the country converging in one place to duke it out for the world championship. Like, pretty cool atmosphere, pretty cool race. This year's champions, George Simpson from Knoxville, Tennessee, was your top champion. Tim Pace, who I know you're familiar with. Ayuka, Mississippi, Tim oh, Pace. Oh, yeah was the modified. That's the no box champion. Another name that I know we're both familiar with David Biggum from tunnel Hill, Georgia, uh, won the sportsman world championship and Keaton Hudson all the way from North Carolina was your junior dragster world champion in IHRA.
1: Yeah. Good for them. Uh, great wins by those guys. Uh, and don't want to diminish anything anybody accomplished, but specifically Tim pace, a uh, guy that I've watched race for a long time, very deserving, one of the best bottom bulb racers, foot brake racers in specific in uh, general that, that I've ever watched, um, to to go out and get that world championship on the IHRA side is really cool to see and something that, uh, that he has worked extremely hard for. So congrats to all the winners, but, uh, specifically my man, Tim Pace, uh, really cool to see. And Keaton Hudson, your junior dragster champ. I think that I read, I
0: think he was perfect in the final, like just what a cool memory. Like that's something you you'll never forget winning the national championship and in it particularly in that manner anyway. But to do it like being perfect in the final, it's pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. And Luke, real quick to wrap up the uh the Mike Smith Memorial Race, uh Mikey Bloomfield won uh, one of the other 20 granders and our, our good friend buddy for real won the final 20 grander um so star studded winter circle there and um again uh, mikey close to that smith family and, and close to brandon taylor and his family so sure that was special for him and buddy for real still getting it done after all these well decades uh, he's still still turning on big wind lights so congrats to all those guys no, oh, that's good. Uh, thank you for circling back
0: there. I skipped right over that. Um, I, I'll close and I'll try to keep this as brief as possible, although it may spin us into a, another discussion, did another uh, perhaps a little bit more controversy. Uh, on last week's show, I nerded out, right? We, we broke down the NHRA championship chases in, in the sportsman categories. And one of the things that I said last week was that Superstock was, quote unquote, wide open. It fell into my wide open category. Superstock is no longer wide open yet. In fact, I will go so far as to say it's over.
1: Uh oh. Greg
0: Stanfield it. wins Bristol, all but locks up what will be his fifth NHRA Superstock crown. We've touched on this before. This is an amazing story. Like, Greg Stanfield won three consecutive and four out of five NHRA Superstock World Championships in the early 90s. And now gets his fifth in the same car two and a half decades later. Like his son Aaron was not born the last time that he won a World Championship. And like we had talked about before, uh, obviously Greg has been very much uh, a force in the sport, transitioned into Competition Eliminator, ultimately Pro Stock, Pro Stock Truck, back to Pro Stock, um, he's been there, he's done it. Right. But seemingly like just kind of parked that superstar car and was like, nah, eh, I'm going to do other things. And I don't know what the reasoning was, but like they dusted off this year. He's like, Oh yeah, I'll go back to this and just goes and wins another world championship. Like it, there have been years in the past, Jed, where we've had every tried to interview every world champion on this show. And we've gotten away from that recently. I don't know if I can pull it off. I want to talk to Greg Stanfield. Like I want to understand how he goes about doing what he's doing because like just from a sheer like time management standpoint there is no way that super stock is like his focus in life at this point right i mean he's his yeah. son's son aaron's running pro stock wins the factory stock world championship he is um they're, they're doing everything they've got this huge uh engine building business like everything is is going their way like there's no way that this is the focus and yet He's beating everyone that for whom this is the focus. Like, it's just incredible. Like, I, I would love to. And he's way too nice a guy. I got to get to the bottom of that. Like, I, I got to get Greg Stanfield on the show.
1: Luke, I hope you do. And, and, you know, obviously we we do in interviews now individually instead of together. So when you do get to talk to him, ask him, does he not understand how difficult the bottom bulb racing is? <laughs> because I don't think he understands. <laughs> I don't think he understands you just jump back in the super stock after, you know, whatever, whatever layoff years, decades, whatever, and not only compete, but be the guy that everybody's trying to beat at every event. And you end up locking in another NHRA championship. I mean, unbelievable what he's accomplished this year. And, and certainly given the the degree of difficulty within the category that he has chosen to do it in. Remarkable performance by Greg Stanfield. And uh, and I definitely hope you get to chat with him about it.
0: I'm curious the history on the car, too, because obviously it's the same car, but like technology's come so far in the last two decades. Like, surely that's not a case where, like, ah oh, yeah, we just dusted it off and threw a motor in it. Like, I would think there's more to that, but I would I would like to know. So yeah, um, it's not officially over, like Greg Stanfield cannot be crowned just yet, but he can earn points at every race that's left on the schedule. Like it's not a given that he'll improve because he's improving such good races. Um, but he's way ahead. he's he locked out Ricky Decker. Decker could go win his last divisional and can't catch him. And that's actually was interesting because it was Ricky's best friend, uh, Jeff donut, like they raced together. They're very close. It was Jeff Dona that took on Greg Stanfield in the Bristol final. If, dona wins ricky's got a shot like he would have to win his last divisional but it's actually uh, ironic that stanfield turning on that win light at the expense of jeff dona uh, eliminates ricky's chances for a second world championship in his own right joe santangelo and a couple of others um i know jody lang it seems i think jimmy DeFrank still have a mathematical chance to to best greg stanfield but it is a long shot and that's if Stanfield doesn't improve in the way that he's rolling. Uh, I think he's subject to improve. So I did say last week that that was uh, wide open. I think now it's over. I will have to to go on here and, and make a retraction. Big Jed. I said last week, the top sportsman's over. I said, Paul Mitzos was a lock. Jimmy Lewis has come in and done his best Lee Corso. Big Jed. Not so fast. My friend. <laughs> Now, if you'll remember on last week's show, I said, you know, Jimmy, he might be en route to Tucson as we speak. Jimmy Lewis was en route to Tucson because he was going to go win Tucson, and he won Tucson. <laughs> that win absolutely puts him into contention. Now, it was just a four-round race. The the, the turnout was really low for a variety of reasons. At, at Tucson, there was nine cars on top of sportsmen, um, but Jimmy won it. Now, he's still got work to do, and he's nowhere near his quota on divisional races. So what I assume will happen, seeing as Jimmy was in Tucson, Arizona last week from his home state of Texas, is I assume that Jimmy will go to Las Vegas at the last divisional event of the year. And I'll go through the scenario there, but like there is potential if you just really were not afraid of the windshield. Like Jimmy Lewis could leave Tucson, go to Rockingham, earn points at Rockingham this weekend, and then drive back to Las Vegas. I don't expect that, but obviously that would improve his chances, assuming that he does not do that, assuming that Jimmy Lewis and Paul Mitzos are both at Las Vegas for the season-ending divisional event. Mitzos now leads by just 22 points. They can both add to their totals at that last divisional event. Mitzos is improving a third-round loss. Jimmy is improving a first-round loss. So, the way that the little numbers work, like assuming that it comes to that, and that is the, the final race of the year, so the drama is high. In order to win the championship, Jimmy Lewis would have to turn on three win lights at Las Vegas and outlast Paul Mitzos. Three win lights, minimum, and outlast Mitzos. Possibility of a tiebreak were they to both lose in the quarterfinal or the semifinal? losing the same round, that would be super interesting. I was not interested enough to dig into who would win that tie break, uh, but that is a possibility. And I don't even think mathematically it's just those two, but for all intents and purposes, it is just those two. It will be Paul Mitzos, who I said was a lock, or Jimmy Lewis winning the top sportsman world championship.
1: Well, while it's not necessarily a lot, Luke is still going to be a tall challenge for Jimmy. Uh, to to get that done and he doesn't hold his fate in his own hands necessarily cause Paul can still continue to to gain there by the well, round. So
0: yeah, I mean Jimmy controls his destiny. If he wins the race, he'll win the world championship.
1: Because
0: he would have to beat Mitsos in the final to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: But no, it's it is. It's a it's one thing to say like, hey, all you gotta do is win three rounds and outlast this guy. Like to sit down and think about that for a minute like (laughs) it's a pretty tall order especially as i've talked about before when you know that that's what has to happen when the world championship and just given the nature of that event so will everyone else on the premises like it is uh, if anybody can deal with that pressure it's jimmy lewis he's been there he's super gas world champion but it is a high pressure situation
1: well you're going through all these scenarios and you're you're telling us what can and might and and possible who you picking who's going to win it
0: uh, it's hard to bet against Mitzos just because he is in the lead right now. Um, but something tells me, I, I just, maybe I am a prisoner of where I grew up and how much I've watched Jimmy Lewis dominate in my life. Something tells me he's going to get this done. Oh, It wow. would be a pretty incredible comeback performance when you consider, um, not only did he just win Tucson, like if you back it up from that, Jimmy was more or less off the radar. Like he won the Dallas national event the week prior to Tucson. So it was back to back wins. And now if you were to outlast at Vegas, presumably would have to at least make like the semis. If you were to end the season on that three race stretch. Wow. You know what I mean? That's, that's a story not quite to the extreme of what Bradley Johnson did a year ago, but close. You know, I mean, that stuff doesn't happen very often. So um a couple other notable performances from the weekend as it comes to uh, NHRA uh, and points chases. Nick Eisenhower, semifinalist in Bristol in Supercomp, that moved him into third place behind Christopher Dodd, behind Bob Prose. Um and it was the only blemish on his national event record. If you remember, Nick won Andy, Nick won St. Louis. He advanced to the semifinals at Bristol. Um, he has divisional events remaining if he's willing to hit the road. Like you, the only divisionals left on the schedule now are Rockingham and Las Vegas. Uh, Rockingham doesn't seem to be too big of a stretch. Vegas, obviously a little bit further. Um, Eisenhower currently trails Christopher Dodd by 47 points, but he's improving a first round or a second round loss. So there's opportunity there, but he'd have to go deep. I mean, we are talking about a fifth round win at minimum um, to, to surpass Christopher Dodd. And as I mentioned last week, I think Christopher is likely to improve his total. But he's about an interesting point. Like Christopher Dodd um, has two divisional events remaining at which he could earn points. Um, but he's improving like a fourth round loss. Christopher Dodd resides in Texas. So going to both events is not the most logistically friendly thing to go from Texas to Rockingham, North Carolina, and then back to Las Vegas. Probably not a thing, but when you consider that is two, well, really three likely challengers. And again, they'd all have to go very deep, but it's Bob Pros, It's Nick Eisenhower. It's Ray Ray. I assume that they will all be in Rockingham. If you're Christopher Dodd, are you not tempted to make that trip to North Carolina?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would think you've come this far, so absolutely.
0: You mean you could still earn points, and obviously if you win, they can't. Um, At the same time, like, I kind of don't expect to see him there due to the logistics and the simple fact that not only can he earn points at the Vegas Divisional, he can earn points at one of the Nationals out West as well, I think just one. And that's where he really stands to make hay. He's improving like a first or second round loss. So even if like I don't think it's necessarily likely that anyone passes him in Rockingham, but even if they did, it's not like it's over. I think for that reason he may stay home, but like I would wanna be at Rockingham if I were him. You know, what I mean you want to have a say in it. So be be interesting to watch. Yes, it will. Another big mover from last week, Blake Peevler in Top Dragster. If you remember back to last week's show, I said that he was in a unique unique spot coming into the Bristol National Event because if he won the race, he would take over the points lead from Danny Nelson and would likely go on to win the championship. However, if he were to lose in round one, it basically eliminated any chance that he had to overtake Nelson. Well, he got felt like right in the middle, Jed. Blake people advanced to the semi-final round. So here's where he stands right now. He has two divisional events remaining. He's improving a second round loss. He needs to win the third round at either Rockingham or Las Vegas to overtake Danny Nelson. Now that Danny can cannot gain any more points. So if that were to happen, if Blake Pivler were to overtake him, Danny can't win. However, Bradley Johnson, as we mentioned last show, still lurking. I was a little bit surprised. Bradley didn't make an appearance last week at either Tucson or Bristol. Um, again, like the the, the Tucson race was a very small turnout for a variety of reasons, which is another topic for another day. Like I, I think it's worth vis- revisiting at some point the um the turnout at NHI races and how much it's varied uh kind of across the country and the potential, like the, there is there is some speculation that NHRA is dying, right? Well, I mean, that's been speculation for the last 30 years. I think it's something worth diving into perhaps on a, on a future episode, but that's neither here nor there for this discussion. Bradley Johnson trails Danny Nelson by 66 points, presumably um, has two races now remaining. I don't think he's going to go to Vegas and Rockingham. So presumably those two races would be Vegas and Rockingham. Pomona national event for Bradley Johnson. If he could win one of those two races and improve by one round at the other or some similar combination, he would take over the points lead. So in short, even if Blake Peevler were to go to Rockingham and or Las Vegas and fail to pass Danny Nelson, as long as Bradley Johnson could turn on a couple win lights in Vegas, this is going to Pomona. Like Danny Nelson will not be able to rest easy Probably until the very last day of the season. This one's going down to the wire.
1: Yeah, it looks like it. And, um, you know, as I sit here and listen to you break these down, Luke, I, you know, I, for most of my life, I couldn't be less interested in these categories in NHRA. Obviously, later in my life, for, for many reasons, and especially the podcast and, and it being topics of discussion, I, I get a little more interested in it. But why would I waste my time? looking at points and, and trying to figure out what people need to do when I can just sit and listen to you. I mean, it's nerdy. I mean, I get it. You, uh, you nerd out. Like, I mean, you go straight pocket protector and, and the whole, you know, um, protractor and the whole deal. I mean, I'm sure you got glasses with lenses look like the bottom of a Coke bottle, but I don't relate a
0: story. Like I, I am I'm 40 these days. Do you have readers or anything like that, Jed? You do, right?
1: Yeah, I've been wearing readers for years.
0: Man. I uh I was I was re jetting my son's junior dragster this morning. And uh, the the numbers on the pilot jet. Oh, I'm struggling, big
1: Jed. I think it's about that time. yeah yeah well you're going to struggle with glasses too you're going to struggle with that one (laughs) they don't don't mark those very well (laughs) but but all kidding aside i mean i don't even have to look at this stuff i I know right where everybody is just by listening to you so if the listeners can't appreciate this stuff then they just i don't know they need something else to do this is awesome
0: well cool i'm glad that you like it and hopefully at least a couple of our listeners feel the same way i get into this obviously one thing that 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 jumped out to me big jet is just unique like i don't know that it means anything i don't know that i have an explanation for it but as i look through all of the sportsman categories in 2021 it is a southwest division domination like just go through it class by class with the exception of comp eliminator that that looks like it's going to go to bruno massel every other category is either has a division four racer as the clear-cut favorite or at the very least in contention, right? Craig Stanfield's going to win Superstock. He's also going to be your division four champion. The stock eliminator, Jerry Emmons, is very much in the mix with Joe Santangelo. We're going to talk about him in just a moment. Um, Supercomp, Christopher Dodd, is your leader. He's going to be the division four champion. Actually, follow up on on Jerry Emmons and stock. We just assumed, at some point, we will circle back and talk about the division four championships just because roger brogdon has thrown a quarter million dollars at it right and revisit that like each division four champ is gonna get 10 grand plus the nhra money it literally pays more to win division four championship than it does to win the world championship but we just assumed like six months ago that wes neely would be your stock eliminator division four champion because he has like 430 something points which is Ridiculous. I mean, if you won the five races that could count to points, you would have just over five hundred. Anything over four hundred never gets beat. I'm not sure Wes Neely's going to win the division championship. Jerry Emmons is like half a round behind it. No, which is insane. Yeah. What does I mean, he What does
1: he have to improve on to gain indeed, points?
0: Like it's. I think he's got to win like third, fourth round, but. Nonetheless, like if that were to come to fruition, that's a bad beat right there for West Neely. You don't put up 430-something and not win the division, especially when there's $12,000 on the line to win the division.
1: Yeah, very good point.
0: Wow. Anyway, so continuing on the Division 4 theme, Christopher Dodd and Super Comp. I claim Division 4 this year. I'm going to win the Super Gas World Championship. I'm going to win the Division 4 Championship. Top Dragster. Um, let's see. Top Dragster, Top Dragster. Top dragster. Okay, Top Dragster is the except. No, it's not. Danny Nelson's running a Division 4. He's your leader, top sports. When we just talked about Jimmy Lewis and how he's got a chance to win the championship, there is a division four racer in the mix for every world championship. And that's not common. Like I don't, maybe that's happened at some point in the past, but that is rare. Like this thing spread out over seven divisions and typically the championships are spread out. And then in addition to that, like you have big names, yes, winning from division four. But like, if you just said, Hey, you're going to have a, 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 division four sweep of world champions that's not going to include austin williams that's not going to include tommy phillips that's not going to include jimmy hidalgo jr like just i think it speaks to the depth of that division i'm not here to say that it's tougher to win there than anywhere like i'm not going ohio on you right but this is an anomaly and i thought it was worth noting
1: yeah luke it's definitely worth noting. that is pretty cool for division four i mean I'm sitting here thinking about Texas a and beat Alabama and the Dallas Cowboys are good this year, so I don't know what it is right now about division four area sports, but they just got it going on it doesn't matter if it's football or racing. Fair fair
0: so let's circle back this will be our last topic of the show, and I, I think it's another controversial one. Um, so, go back to I mentioned Jerry Emmons and the, the stock eliminator championship is absolutely going to come down to the wire. There are some others mathematically involved, but essentially it's Joe Santangelo and it is Jerry Emmons. Now, we got on the topic a couple of weeks ago, Big Jed, about gifted rounds like, how do you want to win the championship? Well, how does that conversation change or does it change in your view? when those quote unquote gifted rounds come from members of the same team or perhaps members of the same family. Because this was actually brought up to me since that show, like, um, you know, Emmons has been on this ridiculous tear. Well, it's kind of inevitable, given the number of Emmons that there are, and they all run the same classes, stock and super stock, uh, versus the the cars in the field along this this run where jerry emmons had, had one i think it was 15 consecutive rounds coming into the Dallas final i think there were two rounds along the way where he was paired with another emmons and in both cases i i believe it was competition singles like those those family members did not make the call for that round right they're doing everything in their power to assist jerry in his championship um i've got I, I, i've teed that up a little bit i've got thoughts i've got to take Like, What's your take? Does that change anything in your mind? Because I feel like it becomes a lot more murky.
1: Yeah, Luca, you know, obviously, I, I think we all tend to have the same thoughts about this, that from a spectator perspective, you want to see, regardless of whether they share the same last name or not, you want to see them go out and compete with one another and let the best man win. And if it leads to a championship, great. If it doesn't, then, you know, they, they did it the most respectable way possible. However, if me and my brother are pulling up there and I've, I need to win this round to win the world championship, no matter what I tell him, I say, Frank, look, you got to race me straight up here. Uh, too many people are watching too much on the line and this is affecting more people than me we just got to go up here and see what happens he just ain't gonna do it he's not going to race me the way that he would race me in round one of the first race of the year and i don't know the emmons boys and i can't speculate on how they will handle this if it comes down to that but i couldn't imagine somebody's brother ending their opportunity to win a world championship and feeling okay about it. Now, you know, maybe they, maybe they function different than most, but again, no matter what I tell my brother, he just wouldn't do it.
0: It's tough because I I think it's, I I don't know that everybody can see this from both sides, but to your point, like I absolutely can, like, I think it's easy to look at. And again, like, we're focusing, we're honing in on the Emmons here, but they are a, a microcosm. Like this goes on uh, all over the, the country and in in a variety of, of classes and points chases, track points battles, what have you. Like this is not unique to the Emmons family, but it's using them as an example. It's easy to look at this, I think from the outside, from Jerry's perspective, it is Jerry Emmons that has the opportunity to win the world championship. And it's easy to say again from the outside, like, okay, well, if I'm Jerry, like, I I don't want to win that way. Like I want to earn my race, I want to earn my championship if I'm going to win it. Right. I'm going to feel good about it. What I would do to to that outlook is I would challenge you. If that's your outlook, I would challenge you. Okay. Don't look at this from Jerry's perspective. Look at this from his brother's perspective, from his nephew's perspective, kind of like you had just mentioned, like if you're in the other lane of your brother, like there is no way that you want to win that round you want him to win, right? <laughs> like, I don't sure. know how you're going to to make that look or to, to him or to others, but there is no way that you don't want to see his win. Like, come on, so it's difficult. That being said, I'll, I'll share my perspective here. And, and I'll be the first to admit that my perspective might be jaded in some regard. Like, I don't want to come across as like, I've done it, right? But I'm, I' I'm ready to admit that I might look at this very differently had I, have I, had I not won a world championship or not won a, a significant points and keep in mind the Emmons have not for all of the success they've had speedy is has won a world championship. the triplets don't have one between them and, and that's kind of surprising given their success, their domination really for the last two plus decades But they have not. And, and again like that I could see that altering my perspective. I'll share a couple of stories. One, I know I've shared here on the podcast before, but just for reference. In 2013, the year that I, that I ended up ultimately winning my first uh, world championship in SuperComp, I had advanced to the semifinal round at the Bowling Green points meet. And at that point, it looked good, but every round mattered, right? And I I felt like I needed to win that race, right, to to solidify the title. When the is, i am paired with jason lynch who is one of if not my best friend in the world and i i know jason and like it was an interesting dynamic because jason's teammate mia had the bye to the final so like jason's got a lot to race for there right it'd be really cool if it was him and me in the final like i don't think there is a bone in jason's body that didn't want me to win that round and i could sense that kind of tension as we pull up there, like there was not anything said beforehand, but I could sense that in the staging lanes. And I, and I went to Jason, it's actually like one of the most memorable conversations in my life. And it was really brief, but I just said, I kind of fist bumped him. And it was like, look, man, we both know that this round means way more to me than it does to you. But if you don't try to kick my ass, we're going to have problems, and I don't think that there was any doubt that he would go and, and run his race and try to win, but I felt like that put the whole situation at ease, right? Sure. And in that particular instance, my win light did come on, but just to prove how much he was into it, like he almost hit me in the shutdown area. Like he dropped really hard. <laughs> it almost got real ugly. There's a little bit of Hunter Patton going on there, but much no, less attention. Yeah, right. Um so there's that example and and again like i end up mia kicked my butt in the final shocker right like she owns me but i ended up winning the world championship and didn't end up meeting that round particularly but like that was just a a good example of like okay this is this is how i actually went about it and how i would encourage you to so encourage others to at least give that perspective so let's fast forward and i i don't think i've told this story to um 2019. And come into my last divisional event of the year, um, chasing Supercomp. I'm trying to remember who was even leading Ray Ray, maybe. Um, but I basically had to win the event. And as it's playing out, we go on a ladder after first round of uh, Supercomp. And if we both get there, I will square off with my wife in round four. Now, ultimately. I lost in round three, so this didn't come to fruition, right? So it's easy for me to say, like, oh, yeah, we'd have run straight up, right? I can promise you we would have raced, and we would have both been trying to win. If you think otherwise, you just simply don't know my wife. She doesn't give a damn that I'm racing for a world championship. She is there to win that race, and ultimately, she actually did win this race in question. Like, she is far more competitive than I am, and I'm pretty competitive, but I, again, like I just challenged that perspective. Like, again, that's easy for me to say, but I'm telling you like we would have squared off, maybe I'd have won, maybe I wouldn't have, but she would have tried her best to kick my butt. And if the tables were turned again, if it's my wife competing for the national championship, my God, I do not want to win that round. But I'm telling you right now, if she got the hint of an idea that I let her win that round, we would get a divorce. Like that's just the way that she operates. Like I, it, the the prestige, the money, none of that matters. Like if I win, I by God, I earned it, and I'm going to know that.
1: And yeah, I, a divorce, Luke. I mean, surely you. I could don't have, think
0: that's hyperbole.
1: Like this. Surely is- you could have talked your way out of it with a with a good <laughs> manscaping.
0: <laughs>
1: and if you were if you if you just used your manscape products, I you know maybe she'd be like, you know what, it's okay.
0: So, I get my takeaway from this is like, I don't want to sound like I'm on like a high horse. That's the way that I would like to see this handled. Like, I feel like it gives proper respect to what it takes to compete for a championship, both for uh, your family member, your teammate, and for the other racers involved. But at the same time, Jed, like, if you come and tell me, like, there's no way that I could beat my brother, there's no way that I could beat my teammate, I could deny them the title, like, that's totally reasonable. Like, I get yes. it. I, I think I, it push comes to shove, I think I personally disagree. Like, again, perhaps I have a little bit different perspective, but reasonable minds can disagree. Like, I understand that line of thinking, I respect it, and I would not think less of anyone for winning in that manner, you know, spec- the MNs were anyone else.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, you know, if you, if you went back to the first race of the year and there was a, a round that appeared gifted, nobody really thinks about it. It's just, it's a timing thing. And when those, all those eyes are on it and you know, you, you want to, you want to think people race straight up, but it really ain't, I think at that point, nobody really cares about the eyes. You're just thinking about the results and and what is potentially about to happen and brother versus brother I just I really couldn't imagine a a good brother doing everything they could to eliminate you
0: it's a tough spot man
1: it's not something that I envy right
0: uh you had a bad beat
1: I don't okay appreciate
0: you coming in prepared big jet yeah
1: Um, (laughs) what did you expect
0: uh, I had to dig and oh, not necessarily dig deep because I was there. So I was, I was kind of not necessarily a witness to it. I, I, my wife and I were done at Bristol almost before they stopped selling hot dogs, started selling hot dogs. Um, so I was not there. I was on the road home. But this one hit double D. Derek Denny, I know you're familiar with Double D, very gifted racer, like super talented dude, uh, has turned his focus to suit the super comp ranks in recent years. Great driver, has a great car, has yet to win a national event. It's just a matter of time. Like he's committed to it. He's running around with Edmund Richardson. Like it's, it's going to happen. Well, Double D gets to the quarterfinal round at Bristol. Six cars remaining. He's paired with Jack Sapanic. The winner of that round gets a bye to the final of the Thunder Valley Nationals. So high stakes round. Double D turns it three red. Jack Sapanic 80 up front. Oh, I just mm. thought that was
1: ultimate kick in the gut. I did see that run.
0: Yeah, yes. like that's a tough one. And and Sapanic, like. If we ever have a who, who went on to win, by the way, and that was obviously the aberration round. Like, if we ever have a show dedicated to the most like underrated drivers, like Sipanic's on that list for me. Nobody talks about that dude. He is always a threat. Really good driver. He's won the he's won a day or perhaps days at the five day. Like, he can do all of the things. Um, so, like, that's not a pushover by any stretch, and that reaction time obviously complete aberration but you can't help but look at that time slip jet and just throw up in your mouth knowing that you're a win light away from your first national event final ultimately it's a panic one that's not to say that that Derek would have but uh, like that's a tough one to swallow
1: yeah that is tough double D um, a great racer and you know that that aggression is what creates wind lights and you, you got to keep it uh, obviously racing a great racer, you're not expecting them to to light it up with numbers that big so you know you, you stay aggressive up there and stay hungry and just unfortunately for him he got it all just wish he had a wish he had a you know missed it five thousand more and it would have um, been a good round to be 30 yeah that, that would have worked out <laughs> well for him. The unfortunate bad beat there for double d i, I hate to see that for him all right, that's all i got i think that's the show look it is a wrap oh man what a show this and uh this one had it all i mean we kind of got to get up on our soapbox just a little bit we got to talk about some uh, great performances on the racetrack talk about some winners and talk about some things that we hope we don't ever see again this one uh, this one was loaded brother this one was loaded i enjoyed it great show and i hope you the listener enjoyed it as well and certainly you're able to find something out of this out of the the topics of this show that that you're passionate about and something that you want to have a discussion about or, or make a post about so if you got that if it's in you go to the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page and uh, and light us up right there for the public to see and if you if you'd rather keep your comments private And why would you? Let's get it out there. Let's get it public. But if you'd rather keep it private, you can send us a private message uh, through that same page and producer Mark will gather that up and put it in the the list of things to talk about. And and we'll discuss it when we can. So uh, we'd love to hear from you, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of, less of, or just hear any of. Reach out to us early and often right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page and let us know what you're thinking luke it is shout time
0: shouts to controversy i am mentally exhausted that's all
1: i've got <laughs> that was that was so good that might be your best shout ever and uh, i agree you know it's a it's a i guess what a weird episode 249 so i don't know how long we've been doing this luke just four or five years God, It's been a long freaking time. I can tell you. Yeah. It all runs together, but I I mean, we're nearing two fifty, So yeah. Do the math. Like yeah.
0: Long time. Yeah,
1: Been a long time. And uh, there was a a time early in the show where I was really scared to give my opinion. And there's been times in the show where I gave my opinion and just got blown away. And there's been times I gave my opinion and it was totally misunderstood and got hammered for that. But uh, I think that uh, we have a pretty good perspective of um good topics to discuss on the show and i think we we do a good job of getting our point across without just tearing anybody apart and uh, hopefully anybody that was discussed on this show don't feel um didn't receive the message in a different way than we wanted to deliver it because uh there's important stuff um controversial stuff and not always easy to talk about so uh hopefully the listeners enjoyed our our take on it but um this is uh, something hopefully we won't we don't ever have to talk about again for sure and um if you uh if you like to to tweet and y'all know i'm a big twitter fan uh reach out to us luke is at luke bogaki b-o-g-a-c-k-i i am at jp11x um don't Post pictures of uh, the wonderful products that you've purchased from Manscaped, but maybe certain- some of
0: our other sponsors, not that one.
1: Yeah, when I say don't post pictures of the products, post pictures of the products. Don't post pictures of the results that you've gotten from Manscaped because that'll get us all kicked off Twitter. But um, listeners, I want you to know Manscapes reached out to us and and they they're just they're all in on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast and it's because of you, you the listener are keeping this show alive by your response to our ads you know we've got great sponsors and we want you to reach out to all of them and and support everything they offer that that you can use but um, certainly the the great folks at manscaped are are all in they're they're reaching out to us and saying we we need to be a bigger part of the sports and drag racing podcast and they're they're up in the ante to to be a bigger part of it each month so I want to thank you the listener because of your response you're keeping this show alive and you can help do that with all of our great sponsors so please support the products and services that they offer anytime you can and that helps us stay alive and we love to hear the feedback off of the great things that our sponsors products are doing for you and if you do have some examples of that uh, from our great friends at manscape please do that in a private message do not post that publicly, uh, unless it's just talk. Unless you're just saying things. But if you want to show us, that probably needs to come through very privately, and not that we want to see it. I was about to say, Jed. I don't really know what your what your angle is here, but well, I, I just you know everybody wants to show off. Hey, check out check out this new converter and check <laughs> out this new transmission from BTE. And man, you know I got this this and that. And, so everybody wants to show off the, the great results that they're getting from products. And um, I'm just saying, we don't need to see that. Yeah. I mean, if you're just into
0: the, the braggadocia, like a testimonial from a significant other would go a long way. I, I don't need, I
1: don't need illustrations. <laughs> yeah, Really good point. I think I went down a rabbit hole there, Luke. And uh, I'm glad I could dig you out. buddy. <laughs> yeah. I apologize for that. I, I, don't, I don't really know what happened, but um, I'm tired. I don't feel good. Uh, I was in Vegas for five days, and I have uh, uh, secondhand smoked more weed than most <laughs> people will in a lifetime, and I did it in a, a five-day stretch in Vegas. So um made me hungry, made me sleepy, and I think I caught a little bug as well. So I'm a little bit off tonight, but, again, the show's over. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it very much. Support those sponsors, and we will talk to you again real soon about more Sportsman Drag racing.
0: If you're looking for the top name brand performance parts and accessories at the lowest prices, come on over to JEGS. JEGS High Performance has what you want, when you want it, at a price you want to pay. Edelbrock, Holley, Moroso, Mr. Gasket. The list goes on and on. Order by 11 p.m., and it goes out the same day. And there's always free shipping and handling. Get it right the first time. JEGS High Performance, ready for you 24-7 at JEGS.com. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire Adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra competitive world world of sportsman drag racing shop online at
1: bteracing.com
0: Enrollment in this is bracket racing elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference this is bracket racing elite. It is the premier offering of our website thisisbracketracing.com